Tana Rabbanan. Okay, we're going to ask a number of questions. Famous Gemara that uh, probably in my Gemara show we'll learn, we'll learn this Gemara because we'll, we'll do a little bit of Hanukkah around Hanukkah time. It's always a nice break. Tana Rabbanan. Mitzvah Sneer Hanukkah. The Mitzvah of Neer Hanukkah. So what is that Mitzvah? Beishamai <coughs> Emri. Beishamai says, Yemrishen Madlik Shmeina. The first day you light eight. Mikan ve'elech, peches ve'elech, and from here on you go down. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Ubeis Hillel Emrim, Beis Hillel says, Yemrish and Madlik Achas, the first day you light one. Mikan ve'elech, meze ve'elech, and from here on you add through eight, which obviously is what we do. Time it of Beis Shammai, what's the reason of Beis Shammai? Why did Beis Shammai say that you should light eight and then one? That seems somewhat counterintuitive. Keneged pare achag. The cows, well, actually the male cows, whatever a male cow is, the bulls, the bullocks, the bullocks of the of the of the chag, the bullocks of Sukkis, because the parim, a para is a cow, a par is a male cow, a, a bull. So the the bulls of of um, Sukkis, we started with thirteen, then twelve, then eleven, then ten, then nine, then eight, and seven. Right, all told, seventy corresponding to the seventy nations. Right, okay, and they start with more and diminish. Mitzad the seventy nations are part of the service in the base of Migdash and are elevated by that. On the other hand, we want their strength to diminish and not grow, so we diminish the numbers. Okay, so he says the Hanukkah licht we learn from the Parayachag. Okay, the time of the Beis and the reason of Beis Hillel is the Mailin Bekedish that we go up. In holiness and not down. So since you're doing something that's holy, you start with one, but you increase. You increase in holiness. And it's well known the the the, the diuk of the Alter Rebbe. Basic question, first question that we're going to ask. We're going to ask a number of questions here. Ma Hanukkah What is the the Indian, the matter. What is this idea of Ner Hanukkah? Why is Ner Hanukkah in any way, shape, or form connected to Parayachag? Why would I learn how to light Hanukkah licht from how I brought bulls on the Mizbeach in the Beis Amikdash? What, what in the world do the two have in common? Uberfrat, and particularly, Now this, this is really only a question, it seems, according to Beis Shammai. Right? Now we don't pass like Beis Shammai anyway. So, why am I even interested in the question? Ah, maybe we'll pass it like Ben Shammai, Lossi Lovey. Right? There is such an idea, right? So, Lossi Lovey, when we light, light Hanukkah, we'll light eight down to, eight down to, to one. Right? But, but it's, uh, it, it's, it's not La Halocha. So, to be so upset about this, no, I understand it's Torah, but and we do want to understand Beis Shammai's position, but we do not paskin like Beis Shammai. But the Rebbe says this question is particularly bothersome. Why? Because of what the Tzemach Zedek says. That what the Gam Beis Hillel loy pligi. Beis Hillel only argues rock mishum de Mailim bekedish, only because Mailim bekedish. Meaning Beis Hillel also thinks ba'ofen ekroni it would be perfectly reasonable to light eight to one based on parayachag. But there's an overriding principle called Maidlin Bakaitish, that we increase in Kedush and we don't decrease in the Kedush. Therefore, we can't do that, according to Beis Hillel. But even Beis Hillel thinks that, evidently, that there's some connection between Sukkot and Pareyachag. There's just an overriding principle called Maidlin Bakaitish. 
Yoni, could you please pass me that roll so I can, uh, I forgot my uh, mustache cleaner. <laughs> Thank you. Yoni, it's coming back. Oh, oh man. <laughs> He's not an outfielder in cricket. That we know. Okay. Maybe you're American, you can only catch with a glove on. I don't know, whatever. L'chaim, l'chaim. L'chaim, Okay. So that's our first question. What's the connection between Pareachag and Hanukkah? And that which is explained in a number of places. It's brought in Chabad Chassidus, it's brought in Chassidus in general, the following, that the relevance of Hanukkah to Sukkot, that both of them are eight days, the Mispar Shmaina, the number eight, Mera al Bechina, teaches regarding a, a, a Bechina means quality, a reality. which is beyond the natural order. The natural order is a, a function of seven, seven levels of time, the seven midas, etc., etc. Beyond nature is the level of eight, notion of Brismila, elevating a child to a level beyond nature, etc. Okay or revealing in the child the innate nature, beyond nature, that, is, that he has. Okay, so very nice. They're both eight-day holidays, but now you're going to see a question, which is a question that you would only find in Chabad Chassidus, and that's what makes Chabad Chassidus very unique relative to Pelish Chassidus. Pelish Chassidus would say that Sukkot and Hanukkah are eight, which is true, and that's a very important idea. Chabad Chassidus is going to ask the question, well, why are they eight? And that's why the Pailish Chassidus will be four lines long and the Chabad Chassidus will be six pages long. Right? They're both saying the same thing. It's just in the Chabad you'll then go explain, well, what does that mean? Right? And this is not a dig at Pailish Chassidus. It's just different ways of teaching Chassidus. But that Chabad is learning Chassidus like, this is what the Altar Rebbe said, like you wouldn't learn Nigla, meaning you, you understand the idea but then ask questions about the idea and understand it even more deeply. This itself requires explanation. the What's the connection of Sukkot and Hanukkah to the notion of the reality of the quality of Shilamay Lamishdashlus? What does Sukkot and Hanukkah do have to do with eight? I understand they're eight days. That's very good. But why? What does that mean? Question two. That such that they're eight days. Okay? So, on one level, we answered the first question, but we don't really a- understand the answer to the first question because we don't really understand why these two things share in common eight and why is each of them eight. Vagam, that which we established, they established. Neres Hanukkah, meaning right after the, I mean, we're going to say it in Alanisim, right? That right after the miracles, so the holiday, the next year the holiday was established as a holiday. It was a question whether it should be a holiday, it shouldn't be a holiday. Right? So it was established as a holiday the next year. And we, should, we should celebrate right? There's no physical celebration of Hanukkah. There's, you don't eat a meal. You don't have a suda on Hanukkah. You can, but there's no, there's no halachic uh, necessity to have a suda like there is on Purim, like there is on every yomta. 
But obviously there's a mitzvah, which we'll talk about, called lighting candles. And what's the other thing that you do on Hanukkah every day? That's special? Say hello. Say hello every day, which itself, you say with a bracha, right? Say a full hello every day with a bracha. That itself is a chiddush. Right? We don't take brachas lightly. Right? We, don't sing, we don't take saying brachas lightly. Okay. That which they established That was regarding the nace that was with the candles of the mikdash, the menorah, which of course was not round. Right? They always have pictures of the menorahs round. Famous sculpture of the menorahs round on the arch of Titus, is them carrying the menorah out of. Uh, out of Yerushalayim into Rome, etc. Uh, I mean, they might have carried a menorah into Rome, but they didn't. That the menorah with the round is not the menorah that was lit as part of the avoid in the base of Mikdash. It might have been one of the candelabras that was set at different places in the base of Mikdash, so there would be light in the place. But it's certainly not the one that was used for the mitzvah. That one was square. No, not square. Alexon. Yeah, it had angles. As the Rambam describes at great length and draws a picture of it. In, uh, in, in Hilchus Hanukkah, the Rambam draws a picture of what the menorah looked like. In the Mikdash, there were how many candles? Seven. Seven candles. Okay, so then what would be a reasonable way to celebrate a miracle that happened with a candelabra of seven candles? Okay, celebrate on a candelabra with seven candles. We, of course, have a candelabra with eight, right? And why else would it be reasonable to only celebrate seven days? Because the miracle itself was for seven days. Exactly. One day day wasn't a miracle. There was enough oil for one day, so there's only seven days of miracle. Exactly how the miracle happened is a machlek is rejoining. There's different positions in terms of how the miracle happened, whether or not we filled it up the first day and there was enough that it it basically didn't burn, and so there was enough for the next day, the next day, or we took only one-eighth. We knew it was going to take eight days to get the... The oil for the to get the the new oil, so we lit only one. This is the ritva. The ritva says we lit lit one eighth of the of the uh, oil every day, but it stayed lit every night. So in that way, there really was a miracle for eight days. But the, 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 it's certainly a, a question amongst the rishonim, all of them, as to why we celebrate eight days. Because the the simple shot was only a miracle for seven days. There was enough oil for a day. Right? Of course, what's the Rambam's shot? You'll have to know the Rambam. You don't have to know everything, but you do have to know the Rambam. Right? The Rambam says, why do we celebrate the eighth day? The victory in the war. The first day, the, the celebration was the, the miraculous victory in the war. That, you know, literally 25 guys defeated the most powerful army in the world. I mean, that's really what happened. It was just absolutely absurd. Right? Okay, it was a little, little band of guerrilla fighters right? overcoming the biggest empire in the world. <laughs> obviously miraculous. Okay, so it was that. Right? And so the Ram says that's one day, and then seven days of the miracle of the, of the candle. But, Bechlal, why do we celebrate a miracle that happened with a clee of seven branches with a clee of eight branches? Which is why, interesting enough, in, in Hebrew, right, 
So what's the Hanukkah menorah called? It's not called a menorah. Hanukkiah. Hanukkiah, which makes perfect sense. Why? It's not a menorah. A menorah is seven. Hanukkiah is eight. There's eight candles and days. And that's certainly a reasonable question relative to the fact that the Rishonim have to try to understand what it is, why it is that we, that we celebrate an eighth day. Another sheet in the Rishonim is the finding of the oil itself was a miracle. So we celebrate that. That's the eighth day of celebration. But Adarabah, if the eighth day is such an issue, so celebrate seven days on a candelabra of seven branches, and that's a perfectly reasonable way to commemorate a miracle that happened with a candelabra of seven branches. Yeah, we don't do that. And if I would imagine if you asked your average Jew, unfortunately, you know, told him there's this thing called the menorah in the base of Mikdash, what it look like, what would he assume it looks like? Eight branches, right? That's what he would assume, right? Why? Well, that's what a menorah looks like. No, that's not true. That's not what a menorah looks like, which is very interesting. Okay, so that's question three that might be asked. Gam sarak lahavin, we also have to understand hafer gleich, the comparison. Hashva. Oh, it's here in Hebrew. It makes it easy. I always wonder why, you know, Yiddish words make it into a Hebrew translation. I mean, this is a translation into Lashon HaKadosh of a maimer that was said in, in Yiddish. So, so sometimes words are written in Yiddish anyway. <coughs> and here, it's written in Yiddish, and then there's a, a translation into Lashon HaKadosh. So, but whatever. What's the comparison? The Neder's Hanukkah, who loyt lechaga sukkas bechlal, not to the, the 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 holiday of sukkas in general, which we already asked, why is Hanukkah connected to sukkas? But now we're asking more specifically, el lepare specifically to the bullocks of the. Sukkot. Meaning, before we asked, even though we asked, we learned about Parachag, but we basically asked, what's the connection between Hanukkah and Sukkot? Now we're asking, what's the connection between the Menorah and the Parachag? Which is a more specific question. Because after all, the Rebbe says, the Lechurah, at first glance, Harinedus Hanukkah, the candles of Hanukkah, Shayochim La Menorah. They're relevant to the Menorah. And what's the Menorah? Neres Hanukkah, Emipnei Hanes, there because of the miracle, Shaya Bidneres and Menorah in the in the in the in the candles of the Menorah. We'll talk about the Menorah in a minute. Upareachag, and the bullocks of the of the holiday, Hikrivu, they were sacrificed. Kekolah Kabanus, like all of the Kabanus, Agabi Mizbeach, on the Mizbeach, not the Menorah. It's completely different Kli, completely different part of the base of Mikdash, completely different Aveda in the base of Mikdash, as the Rebbe is about to explain. They're two completely different kalim. Ubefrat, particularly. Lefiyah Mavur, based on that which is explained by Kabbalah B'chsidis. And there's a footnote 8, you can see where if you want to look it up. But Nedus V'Karbonus, the candles and the Karbonus, Avedes Shainus, are two completely different levels of Aveda. What are the Karbonus? Malchus. Physicality the lowest level of, of physical reality being elevated to a state of Kedusha, that's the Korban. Bringing Elokus down to the lowest level of reality, Deimim Semeach and Chai, mineral, vegetable, and animal life, which are 
contained in that animal. Also, sometimes we actually bring vegetation, carbon mincha, meal offerings. Right? And in the animal, there's also daimen, aspects of the animal that are mineral life. Right? Nails, bones, things like that. Okay, so, so the, the Mizbeach is all about elevating the lowest levels of physical reality to connect that level of reality to Elokus. What's the candle? Candles, chesed, chokhmah, lofty, transcendent levels of reality. Aner, aner is, is something very spiritual, very ethereal. Right? It has no physical properties per se as, as an animal does. I mean, it does, but they're, they're very difficult to describe right? and understand. What is fire exactly? Right? It doesn't weigh anything, it doesn't smell Takes up space, well, sort of, but in a funny way. It's never the same space. It's constantly flickering and changing. Okay, it's the nature of fire. Very hard thing to figure out. It has physical properties. We know it's doused by Mayim. We know. Can't be something I said, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> To such an extent, what do we say about the difference in Neres and, and Karbonus? We'll explain this in a minute, let's just translate it. Yours, which is Neres, this is Mesha talking to Aaron. is greater than theirs, which is Karbonus. And won't ever be nullified. When does this happen? At the end of Parshas Nosei. Which describes the commemoration of the of the base of Mikdash, particularly of the well, the Mishkan in the desert, but particularly the Mizbeach. So, how did we how did we commemorate the Mizbeach? Ah, right, that all of the different tribes brought Karbonis. And Parshas Nasei, the longest Parsha in the Torah, and the reason it's the longest Parsha in the Torah is because at the end of Parshas Nasei, it outlines in great detail all of the Karbonis that each of the tribes brought, and it says it 12 times, and then makes a sachakol of the, all of them together, and those, 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 that, that event happened in the, in the first 12 days of Nisan, after the commemoration of the, of the Beis HaMikdash, and and it's it, it it takes a tremendous amount of psukim to describe it, even though it could have been done in one in, in a few psukim. Just say every tribe brought this because they all brought the same thing. Why? Okay, you'll worry about it when you come to Parshas Nasei. So a lot of interesting ideas about it in Aveda and what people are all about. It's very important stuff. But but that being said, there were the, each of the tribes brought korbanos to commemorate and dedicate the mizbeach. So Aaron was upset because Aaron wasn't part of this. He wasn't upset, you know, in a bad, in a good way. He, wa- he wanted to be part of such a, an incredibly powerful and, and, and important event, and yet he wasn't. And so what did Mesha say to him? What happens right after that? What's the next Parsha in the Torah, right after Parsha's, uh, right after Parsha's Nosei, after the description, the last, the last 80 psukim, whatever it is, the description of, of the giving of the Karbonas, what happens next? Baloischa. Baloischa Senedas teaching about lighting the menorah, right? And what, uh, why is that right next to it? Because Aaron was upset, and Mesha says to Aaron, <laughs> Shelcha, yours, lighting the candles, is greater than theirs, which is the korbonis. 
Because yours won't be batal le'elam, meaning we're going to be lighting the menorah throughout all of the years of Gullus. Even when there won't be karbanis, there'll still be menorah. The Hanukkah menorah is going to be lit through all of the years of Gullus. It happened at the end of the period of the second base of Mikdash and through all of Gullus up until this moment, we've lit the menorah. So yours is greater than theirs. It'll never be nullified. There'll always be a menorah lit every year. Right? Oh. So what do we see from that? What does the Rebbe want to say from that? Clearly, the two completely different levels of Avedah. says, yours is greater than theirs. The menorah is greater than the Mizbeach on a certain level. So then how can I possibly learn Hilchus menorah from what happened on the Mizbeach? They're two completely different levels of Avedah. They represent two completely different things in, in, in Chassidus. And yet we do. Another question. I think that's the fourth. Mm-hmm. We also have to understand, this is the last question. We also have to understand, that which the mitzvah of Ner Hanukkah, when do we light Hanukkah licht? Sunset. Right? Sunset, which is, you know, around Hanukkah time, 441, 442. Right? That's around where, you know, sunset now is around then. Right? It might be a little later. <clears throat> a little later by the time, uh, meaning this Shabbos, this Shabbos and next Shabbos are the two earlier Shabbosim of the year, right? And then it'll start getting later again. Okay, so it's around 440, 441, that's always licht, Hanukkah licht. Okay, here in Yushalayim. Sunset. V'yadu'a diuk and it's known, the careful learning of this, the netis of Mikdash, the candles in the base of Mikdash, when were they lit? He'd leak me plug a they were lit at what's called Plaga Mincha, half of Mincha, Shaur of Via Kedemeshkia, an hour and a quarter before Shkia. That's when we lit the menorah in the base of Mikdash, an hour and a quarter before Shkia, before sunset. Okay, what's plug? Plug is half of Mincha. So there's Mincha Gedele, there's Mincha Ktana. Mazdo There's Mincha Gedele, Mincha Ktana. Right. So, so how, how do we do it? Well, so we divide the hours between midday and sunset in half, right? And then we divide that in half again, right? And that's called plug mincha. And so that's the plug mincha. I mean, there's two plugs. There's the half. That's called mincha gedela. Mincha gedela is half an hour after midday. Right? That's called mincha gedela. And there's mincha ktana, which is what? Half an hour... A halfway uh, uh, to sunset, right? Actually, past halfway because it's half of it's the last quarter. Okay, that's called mincha ketana, small mincha. Okay, so plug mincha can either be halfway between midday and and sunset, or no. Plug is here, and plug plug will be halfway between. You know, the the, the middle point between those two points and sunset. So that's an hour and a quarter approximately before before Shkia. So that's when the menorah was lit. At plug mincha. Okay? So then what question obviously arises? So why don't we light at the same time? We're commemorating a miracle that happened with the menorah, so we should light it, plug a mincha. Right? Because no one knows that you, I mean, if, again, another question, ask your average Jew, when did they light the menorahs? Who, well, I guess, at night, I don't we light it at night, and some of they lit it at night, but no, not true. They, light, they lit it an hour and a quarter before nightfall, even before the, uh, the beginning of nightfall, sunset, which isn't even nightfall yet. 
and this is the end of the day, but it's not exactly the beginning of the night. Okay. <coughs> Interesting. So why don't we light then? Cave in Shenaris Hanukkah. And since Neris Hanukkah, Haim, Kanal, Mibnehan Nais, Shahaya, Beneris Amikdash. Neris Hanukkah is because of the miracle that happened with the Neris Amikdash. Ubefrat, and particularly, Shakol the Tikin Rabbanan. Generally, when the Rabbanan make a halacha, Ke'en Doraisa Tikin, they pattern their Tikkunah on an existing Torah law. So they look to the Torah for guidance in terms of how to create this halacha. So obviously I would look to the Torah and say, well, when, I'll be Torah, when do you light candles? An hour and a quarter before Shkia. Okay, so I'll, I'll light an hour and a quarter before Shkia. And yet we don't. Hayoroi l'chore would be reasonable at first glance. Shetia zmanad l'kosem, that the time of their lighting would be k'neres amikdash, like the neres in the mikdash. Velama mitzvasa. So why is the mitzvah dafka mishatishka chama specifically after sunset? At sunset. Okay. Five questions. What the first question? Connection of Hanukkah to Sukkot. Right. Second question. Why are they both eight? Third question. Hmm? Candles? Yeah, seven, eight, the candles. Why, why, why do we light eight candles commemorating a mitzvah, that, a miracle that happened with the candelabra of seven candles? Fourth question, the more specific uh, question regarding the connection of sukkahs to Hanukkah, why, the, the connection of the Mizbeach to the Menorah. Right? That's the fourth question. How do we learn how to commemorate a mitzvah on the Menorah from what happened on the Mizbeach? It's a completely different kaili. So it's similar to the first question, but a much more specific expression of the first question. Fifth question, time. Okay, those are the five questions. Write down the questions. You don't have a, 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 you don't have a, a perfect memory. If you don't write them down, you forget it. Then you won't have a clue what the mimer is about, because the mimer is going to answer five questions. So how can you possibly understand the mimer if you don't remember the questions? So write them down. Can you repeat them more slowly? Okay. First question. You repeat them, not you, Shammai. Anybody, you, you guys. What's the first a- question? Connection of Hanukkah to Sukkot. Connection of Hanukkah to Sukkot, right? Based on Beis Shammai, right? Why do we why do we learn how to light the Hanukkah, celebrate Hanukkah from Sukkot? We'll say it that way. Second question. Why are they both eight days? Why? Well, yeah. Why are they both eight days? Which is meaning we answered the first question, but we really asked the second question already, right? They're both eight days. Okay, good. Why are they both eight days? Which is Lamai Lamishdalshlus. Okay, third question. Seven candles. Seven candles, eight candles, right? Why do, we cel- why do we celebrate a miracle with a candelabra of seven branches with a candelabra of eight branches? Well, strange, especially when we, I mean, you know, the, the rabbi doesn't say it here, but especially when there's a whole deal as to why it's an eight-day holiday. There were only seven days of miracle with the candles. Simple shot in how the candles work. Okay, fourth question, more specific. What's the connection the, between the Mizbeach and the Beautiful, the Mizbeach and the Menorah, a more specific expression of the first question, right? But a different question. Why do we learn specifically? Why do we learn how to commemorate a miracle that happened with the Menorah from what happened on the Mizbeach? They're two completely different Kaylee. The fifth question, time. Okay, there we go, five questions. Let's see how long it takes us to answer the questions. Nakuda Sabir Bazet. Doesn't look like it's going to take us very long. The point of explanation. 
Now, of course, when you see that, what do you mean? What's going to happen? Almost every mimer you ever learn of the Rebbe, especially a, a Mugadik mimer, a mimer that's been edited into a, into a, a, a you know, a, 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 a piece of Torah, as opposed to something that the Rebbe said, and then it was just written down as the Rebbe said it. Right? What's going to happen? Well, the kudus abia, the basic explanation. And what's going to happen after that? Well, look at Gimel, beer inyan. <laughs> this is the basic beer. Now let's explain that at length. Okay, that's how generally the Rebbe will will uh, will uh, say a mimer, teach a mimer. Right? First questions, and then okay, the basic explanation is as follows. Now, what does that mean? Okay, the kudus abia, the point of the beer. In other words, in short, it's what. The union of Ner Hanukkah is to illuminate the dark. Okay, we've already answered a question. What question did we answer? I don't understand what the answer is. I don't understand why Ner is Hanukkah or that, but we just answered a question already. What question? Why do we light it at Mincha? Why don't we light it at Mincha? Exactly. Why do we light it when it gets dark? Oh, because the whole union of Ner Hanukkah is to illuminate the dark. Why? I don't know. But I, I just answered the question. I don't understand the answer, Poseidon, but I answered it. That's Nakudas a beer. Right? Do you want me to explain the beer? We'll explain it. The Rebbe will explain it. Rebbe never and ever uh, leaves us hanging. He's very, very generous. This is all. You know, you can read about all this. You, you, you say it all when you say Alanisim. You explain a little bit of the, of the of the history, and we use very 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 special words. And I was going to be be very careful reading those words now when we describe what the Yavanim wanted to do. And it's very important to understand that all these events. Of course, the Yavanim went in and they did what they did. Did they understand necessarily the true significance of everything they were doing? No. The Yavanim don't know chassidus, so they don't know what it means to be matame shemen shebehechal. Okay, but that's what they did. Why is it that the Eibushter had them do exactly what it is that they did in order to teach us what they're all about and what their darkness is all about and how we combat that darkness? Right, like any home. Right, Paro says all sorts of things that are Torah. <laughs> Paro says Torah. Yeah, Paro says Torah. The Abishta puts words in Paro's mouth so that it comes out. They're very, very important words to understand who, who the Mitzrim really are. Who's Paro? Mi Hashem. Who's Yudke Vavke? Is there really something that transcends nature? Paro has a hard time. A deity of nature? Well, Paro's a pagan just like Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle. There's a bunch of pagans who are all into you know, deities of, of nature. No problem. The Greeks, the, they all had, they all had their. As a matter of fact, it's so interesting because I mean, we're not supposed to say their names, right? Because they're all of Edezara, but everybody knows who you know the head honcho was for the Greeks. He started with a Z or a Z if you're an American, right? We all, everybody knows him. Okay, so who happened to be the head honcho of the Egyptians who were around before the Greeks? Same thing with a lisp, T H E U T H. Same name, same thing, same of Edezara, all the same nonsense. Right? The Greeks just borrowed something from the Egyptian pagan religion and, you know, adopted it to them. Oh, the Greeks, foundation of Western civilization. They're a bunch of pagans. Right? Gods of nature. 
Anything beyond nature? No, don't believe in it. So to Paro, Miyavaya. So Paro says things that teach us what he's really all about. Paro understands that Shema Vaya is Lamailamina Teva and Shema Lukim is Teva. Paro doesn't understand any of that. Paro didn't say Avaya. Paro's speaking Egyptian. Right? In the Torah, Paro's speaking Lashna Kaidish. To Maisha. Maisha and Paro didn't speak Lashna Kaidish to each other. They spoke Egyptian to each other. How could Paro possibly speak Lashna Kaidish? But the Abishta puts the words in Paro's mouth. The Abishter tells us what power really meant. Oh, so when the Abishter sends the Greeks into the base of Migdash to destroy the base of Migdash, so what did they try to do? Something that shows who they are and what they're about. That was the Ashgach Pratis of it all. Did they understand the Hasidus of what they're doing? Of course not. That doesn't mean that they didn't do it in order to teach us the, the deeper meaning of it all. Of course they did, because the Abishter is orchestrating all of these events. Right, okay, so, so what did they do? That's why you can learn very deep ideas in Chassidus from what a bunch of Greeks did, even though they were just a bunch of pagans. They didn't understand what they were doing. But they did, because they definitely had an idea. That's why the story of Hanukkah is so incredibly important. After the Greeks entered into the Hechel, the Hechel is the ninth of the ten levels of Kedusha in the base of Mikdash, the tenth being the highest, Kedusha Kedoshim, the Eichel is the Kedush, just outside the Kedusha Kedoshim, the Holy of Holies. They entered into the Hechal. And what did they do there? The Timu Kolashmanim They defiled all the oil in the Hechal. Why is that what they did? Okay, again, they did that in order to teach you and I something about who they are and what they tried to accomplish in spiritual terms and how you defeat them, right? That's what the story of Hanukkah is all about. And, and Chazal are very clear when they wrote Alanisim what it is that they did. It doesn't say they came in and they smashed the base of Mikdash. That's not what it says. It says they went into the Heichal, v'timu kol and they defiled the Shemen Shebeichel, which the Rebbe is going to explain and always, hey, an amazing idea of what that is, Mamish. Okay, but we're, now we're going to get it generally. Then what's that? Shehiz Gabru that the power, the overcoming of the darkness, meaning the fact that their darkness overcame us. In other words, the power of their darkness, the Yavonim, Haisa, Ad Kedekach, was to such an extent so powerful, the Leirak, that not only that they were able to go into the Heichel, a place of unbelievably intense godly holiness, and and defile it, their klipa was so powerful that they were able to defile the Heichel. The Heichel is the base of Migdash. And they were able to go in there and defile it. Elo, not only that, they were able to defile also the Shemen Shebehechel. And what does that mean? The Shemen, what Shemen? Hubachinus Kedish. Shemen is a higher level of Kedusha. Shemen is a state of transcendence. Right? The Rabbi's going to mention in physicality, oil floats on every other liquid. Oil always represents transcendence in Yiddishkeit. Right? When, you want to, when you want to elevate someone to a position of holiness in the base of Mikdash, what do you anoint them with? Oil. Mashiach. What's he anointed with? What does Mashiach mean? Anointed, anointed. with what? Oil. 
Right? Oh, elevated, beyond everybody else. Also the Melech. Okay. So they not only were they not only did they defile this incredibly powerful level of kedusha called hechel, they were able to defile a level transcendent of hechel in hechel, the shemen shebehechel, the shemen who bechinas kedush, like the pasuk says, shemen mishchas kedush, the shemen that is the anointing of holiness, mishchas, like Mashiach, the anointed one, a mishcha in 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 Hebrew. Mishcha is is, uh, is an ointment today, right? If you put on an ointment, it's called a mishcha, something that you put on. Okay, it comes from the lashon of kedush of mishcha, something which was used to anoint someone. Kedush mila begarme. Kedush is something that stands by itself. Kedush. What is? How do you translate the word kadosh? Transcendent. That's what kadosh means. Holy, meaning transcendent. A higher level than that which is around it, so to speak. Kadesh, Kadesh, Kadesh. Right? What are those three different levels of transcendence? You say it every day. You say it in chakras. Then you then you repeat it when the if you happen to have finished manas. By the time the person in the front starts chazar zeshat, you say it again. Or if you're in the middle of psugirazim or birchas kriyashma, you also say it again. Right. The third time you say it in the day, you actually explain it to yourself. Okay, so I'm not going to tell you what it means. You'll notice, because if I tell you, you'll forget. But if you notice today, you'll remember. When you say Uvalitsiyan, you say Kadesh, 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 right? Then you have an Aramaic translation of what that means. Look in the English to the left and see what it means. So you know what you're saying every day, because every day you explain Kaddish, Kaddish, Kaddish to yourself. Every day, in you explain to yourself what these three levels of Kedusha are, these three levels of transcendence. So today, you're going to notice it. And then you'll know what Kaddish, Kaddish, Kaddish means. Then when you're saying it, then you're bouncing up and down like a weirdo, Kaddish, 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 whatever this is about. Okay, pretty cool. The idea of transcendence, right? Okay, so what, am, why, why, what are these three levels of Kedusha that these angels are talking about? What, what exactly do they mean? Okay, so you'll see in Uvalitsiyan today, this morning, you're going to pay attention. If you don't usually daven out of an English sitter, today, put one next to you. When you get to Uvalitsiyan, look up the English. What are you saying when you say Kaddish, Kaddish, Kaddish? It explains it absolutely clearly what those three levels of transcendence are. Right? Okay? So today, we'll all see it. Tomorrow, there'll be a test. Another one. I mean, every day is a test. But. <clears throat> Forget it. Yeah, please. I mean, that was really a. I can catch. You can throw it here. I I I, I played football when I was a kid. Thank you. That was really. Ooh, this look, there's something must have happened over here. That was a big one. I must have fallen asleep on the page and you know, drank a whole cup over here. Okay. Actually, before I take, I mean, I buy a book, I just spill coffee all over the book, so it looks like I went. Kedish Mila Begarme. It's something that stands by itself. Okay, again, the homework. Kadesh, Kadesh, Kadesh. What does that mean? You'll see it in Uvalitsiyah. You say it every day. But Dugmas Hashemen 
like the Shemen Shetzaf that floats, means to float, Al all of the liquids, doesn't mix with them. Meaning you can shake the salad dressing to get the, the, the oil and the vinegar to mix together. Right? Balsamic vinegar is really good. Right? With a little garlic. Okay? Shake it all up. Right? And then pour it on your salad. But what's going to happen when you put the bottle down? Well, the, the oil is going to float to the top again. That's just what happens. Okay? Oh, that's what oil is. From this it's understood, from the fact that when Chazal describe what the Greeks wanted to do, they describe it as, what not only wanted, what they actually did. They were What does that teach us? We'll stop right after this. That that which they were able to defile all the oils in the Hechel. It affects, but Pratze. In this, in this detail, is even greater than the fact that they actually were metama the heichel itself. Af, even though the holiness of the heichel, he darga nailis beser kedushes. It's a very high level, as a matter of fact, the ninth level of the ten levels of kedusha in the base of Migdash. Because as you walked in the base of Migdash from the east and walked west, right, towards the Kedusha Kedoshim, Right, so you would go upstairs. There were stairs re- representing the notion of elevating to a higher and higher level. Right, not just the fifteen stairs of the Shema. All the way up, there was a certain gradual, and so the, the Kedusha Kedushim was also on the highest place, but also on the highest in in Ruchnias. <laughs> what was right before that? The Kedush, which is the Heichel. And the Rebbe is going to say something very interesting. We'll see that, and we'll stop. Which is also shown very clearly, Mizeh, that they, that they defiled something greater than simply the Heichel, simply the Beis Migdash itself. This is all Alanisim, right? I was just saying what we daven on Hanukkah. After Shabbal Venecho, Vatihadu Es Mikdashecho, after we were Matar Es Mikdash, what had to happen? It was another miracle. We found the oil. Meaning, even, they, they were metam as a mikdash. Okay, so that's one thing. So Baruch Hashem, we won a war, and then we were metire, we purified the base of mikdash after they had defiled it. Okay, amazing. So that's one thing. Amazingly enough, that, that isn't what most of the holiday is about. If that were all that happened, then theoretically, the, the, maybe there would be a one-day holiday. I'm not sure. I, I, you know, if there was a holiday, it would be a one-day holiday, celebrating the war and 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 purifying the base of Mikdash. But the whole holiday is interesting enough connected to another event that is after this. This has happened already. We've been Mataras and Mikdash. I mean, we're in the process of it. We've pushed them out. We're in the process of of of, of purifying the base of Mikdash. And what do we want to do? We want to light the menorah. Oh, what do we need? Oil. Okay, in order to get the oil, what was necessary, evidently? Another miracle. Oh, manyan, right? Another miracle on top of the winning the war and being Mataras and Mikdash. So obviously what they did was, in terms of Tuma, was more than simply defiling the base of Mikdash. Because after all, when we undid what they did, 
we undid the defiling of the base of Mikdash, and yet the story wasn't over at all. There was a whole, there was a need for a whole new miracle, the greatest miracle of the whole story. But that's the miracle we celebrate more than any other miracle, and that's the miracle of finding the Pach Shemen in order to light the first. That's the first part of the miracle, and then lighting the menorah, and the menorah lasting for eight days instead of one. All of that's extra, on top of the basic victory in the war and re-establishing the base of Mikdash. So clearly, their klipa was not simply that they were metameh sehechel, but they were metameh sehechel shebehechel. So the hechel, yes, and that we took care of, and we were metar the hechel, and then shemen shebehechel was the higher level that they managed to get their klipa dik claws on, and we were able to also undo that, but that took an extra miracle to undo. So clearly there's two levels. And when we when, and so the diuk in the word shemanim shabaychel is very very important. Once we had been metayers a mikdash in order to light the menorah, hutzuchul We needed a nes, another nes. Right? Maska, which began mi anesha matzupach echad shemen which began. We'll explain what this is tomorrow. We'll see it. It began with the nace of finding one flask of oil, that was sealed with the seal of the Kohen God. Okay. Now, how big was that flask that we found? Of course, it was this big, right? Because the Greeks couldn't find it. Right. Well, how big was it? What, what, did, what were we able to do with that flask? Light the menorah. Light the menorah. How big were the bulbs of the menorah? This big? Yeah, how big large. was the menorah? It was... It was uh, 15 feet high, right? How big were the bulbs? Well, how much oil was in there every night? Enough to last until... Night. I mean, until the next day. Yeah. Right? Every day we cleaned it out and lit more. So there was this much oil. Times seven. How big was that little flask? Everybody thinks, you know, we found this little flask hidden away. It was this big. How'd they miss it? How did they not get that one, so to speak? How'd that happen? They're pretty good, the Greeks, right? At Klippa. No, they're good at Klippa. Okay. We'll see that tomorrow. <laughs> the seal of the Kohen God. Okay, anybody not get the synopsis of it's here. Anybody not get the questions that you should answer on your own? Okay, synopsis and questions. <laughs>